0: welcome to true spirituality network we are focused on spreading the gospel of god's love across the world the bible says there is no fear in love and perfect love casts out every fear as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear worry and anxiety god loves you Amen, Amen. I have so many things to say in limited time. We have been on a series on the book of Revelation and we've been exploring to see the truth of God's word about the book of Revelation. We've been interpreting it from the lens of the finished works of Christ. The gospel is all about good news, pure good news. If you read any place in the scripture and it scares you, then you should pay close attention to seeing what the scripture really meant. God would not give you the Bible. God did not give you the scripture to scare you. God gave us this book because this is his word. And Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and life. Jesus said, you are clean because of the words I speak to you. Jesus said, Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the word of God for us is not to scare us. No matter what portion of the scripture you are reading, pay closer attention. The aim of God's word is not to scare us, but to remind us that we are loved by God. 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen says, Now those three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these things is love. So the gospel is pure good news. There is no bad news gospel. The gospel is simple. That's why it's called the gospel of Christ. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 1. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It has power to transform people you don't have to worry about transformation you keep feeding on the gospel keep feeding on the word of god and effortlessly you'll be transformed from the inside out so the bible says the gospel of christ is the power of god unto salvation so when you begin to feed on the word of god pure word of god you begin to realize that your transformation becomes effortless and so we've been seeing the truth of god's word from the book of Revelation and we are in chapter 2 and in the last session we checked the letters of Jesus to two of the seven churches. We've checked what Jesus wrote to the Ephesus, Ephesus church. We've checked what Jesus wrote to the Smyna church and I already established that if you see the scripture says To the angel of this church, he is not talking about a physical or a literal, excuse me, angel. The book of Revelation is the book of symbols, so he's not talking about an angel with a sword standing in every church. Nope. When he says to the angel of the church, he's talking about to the messenger of the church. And when he's saying to the messenger of each church, he's talking about to the leader, to the pastor, to the overseer, to the shepherd of the church. So for example, this platform is called True Spirituality Network. So if Jesus wanted to write to True Spirituality, he would say to the messenger, to the angel, that means he is writing to me. So we have to first of all understand that. Who was it written to? Who was Jesus talking to? And this is very, very important because if you don't know that and you just dump into the book of Revelation, you don't know whom Jesus was speaking to, you don't know what context, you can take scripture out of context. You know, I I strongly think one of the portion of the scripture that people over the years have taken out of context is Matthew chapter 7. I really want to show you this very quickly. I plan to show you this. Matthew chapter 7. Don't forget, a few days ago, we established that there is no condition that is permanent. Very popular saying. But your salvation in Christ is permanent. The good news is your forgiveness in Christ is permanent. The believer is forgiven of all of his sins. So in Christ, because you have eternal life, with eternal life comes forgiveness. Complete forgiveness of sins. You are not trying to be forgiven. God is not trying to forgive you. Psalm 103 verse 3 puts it this way. It says, He who forgives all your iniquity. Every of your sins are forgiven. In the sight of God, you are blameless, you are spotless, you don't have any dot. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 5 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are justified, you are purified by the blood of the Lamb. You are blameless, you are spotless in the sight of God. That's good news to me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, In Christ we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins, not unto your next mistakes. Your forgiveness is not lead to, it's, it's not you, are, you are not trading on eggshell. You are completely forgiven. This is the goodness of Christ, good news of Christ. And there's no other religion that can promise you complete forgiveness. There's no other religion that promises you eternal life. Only Christianity, only Jesus. Did this for you. Hallelujah. So if you understand this, over the years, else will understand. But I, I strongly think Matthew chapter seven is one of that scripture that has been really quoted out of context. And Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-one to verse twenty-three, precisely. And I've taught on this a couple of times, though. But again, since we're exploring the book of Revelation, and I'm trying to establish the fact that. In Christ, if you're born again, that is the greatest decision you've ever made in life. Because you can't undo that act. You know, the same way I always preach about the love of God. That the love of God is not based on how good you are. It is based on how good God is. You didn't earn it. You can't achieve the love of God. It is only received. And the gift and the calling of God is without repentance. God chose to love you. You didn't do anything for, to make God love you. God decided to love you. So if you didn't do anything to make God love you, there is nothing you can do that can make you unhearn the love of God. If the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith and not by our works, then we can't undo what Jesus did. The gospel is pure good news and emphasis is on what Jesus has already done for us. So when we got saved, we are resting in what Jesus did. So in Christ, once you say yes to Jesus, again, I've used the illustration of Noah's Ark to explain this over and over in Genesis chapter 7. Once you say yes to Jesus, God puts you in the ark and God himself shuts the door so that you can just rest. No matter what happens outside the ark, he can't touch you in the ark. So Matthew chapter 7, one of the places in the scripture, I, I think people have quoted out of the context verse 21 to verse 23 I've preached about this a couple of times but why not if not the bible says not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father which is in heaven and then verse 22 says many will say to me on that day lord lord have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many miracles in your name verse 23 and then i will declare to them publicly i never knew you depart from me You will act wickedly. This statement is not for the believer. If anybody scares you with the scripture. Then two things. Either you don't know your Bible. Or the person doesn't know their Bible. The scripture was not written to scare you. That's why I said. If you get any place in the Bible and it scares you. Then you should study closely. Or you should ask people. Or ask questions. Jesus loves you so much, and He will not lie you in the future. Jesus is coming back for you, the believer, and there is no single believer that will miss rapture when Jesus comes back. But you know, the Bible says they will say, "Lord, Lord." I will show you what it means shortly. I can't preach one-hour message now because this is a message on its own, but I can give you reference. I will just explain what it means. Jesus is not talking to the believer because if you are born again. Jesus would not declare publicly, verse 23, that I never knew you. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows your name. In the book of Psalm 139, the Bible says, Where shall I go from your presence? Where shall I flee from your spirit? If I go to the Shoal, you you are there. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. Before a thought comes on my heart, you you know it. Jeremiah says, Before you formed me in my mother's womb, you've known me. The book of Hebrews 13 5 says, I would never leave nor forsake you. The book of Isaiah says, Can a nursing mother forget a nursing infant? It is not possible. And that is true. He said, But even if it were possible, I would never forsake you. What well, makes us understand our names is engraved on, in the palm of God. So Jesus knows you, He knows you by name. He knows every single thing about you. Jesus is the only one that knows everything about you and yet chose to love you. So if Jesus says he will tell this set of people that he never knew them, for you to think you may be among those people, then you have a wrong opinion about who Jesus is. Jesus is not a betrayer. He wouldn't come all the way from heaven to die for your sins just to tell you at the end of your life he doesn't know you. God knows you. <laughs> when you speak, when you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, everyone listens to your voice. So God knows you, so he's not talking to you. And again, what, I, what am I trying to make you understand? Context. Who was Jesus making reference to? So you have to go back to verse 15. If you start reading from verse 15, I'm just going to run through. It says, Beware of false prophet. Oh. So these are who Jesus are making reference to. They are called false prophets. Beware of false prophets. Most times people quote verse 21. They don't start. They don't make us know what happened before. They call it pretext. So you should attend our next cave Adulam Academy. This is, this, is, this is one of the things we explain in the cave Adulam Academy. Beware of false prophets who come to you dressed as sheep but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So he's not talking to you. The context on verse 15 has been talking about false prophets. And of course, can false prophets prophesy? Yes, because prophets should be able to prophesy. And then these guys in verse 21, they now say, Jesus, we did this in your name. Jesus said, no, you didn't do this in my name. Perhaps they will say, we did this in your name. Jesus will say, you didn't do this in my name. I never knew you. You were false. And this event will still get there, by the way, in, in the book of Revelations, in the later part, Revelation chapter 19, I believe the Bible says when Jesus comes back, false prophets will be judged. Because these guys, in fact, to to make it easy for you, the Bible says on that day, there is a day Jesus is making reference to. On that day, many will say, not talking about believer, because believer won't even be unhurt on that day. As at that time, believer will have already been with Christ. And then when Jesus is coming back to come and take over the hurt, to come and judge the hurt, we believers, we are coming with Jesus, and then the first prophet on earth as at that time, we say, "Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Lord, Lord, we' did this in your name." Jesus would say, "You didn't do it in my name, because if you had, when I came to pick my bride, I would have picked you guys. I have a whole one-hour teaching on this message of the seven. One hour teaching. You can check it out on, my, on our podcast. One hour teaching. The title is God's Love Unveiled in Matthew chapter 7. Just go on our podcast, click on the link in our bio, or just go on Spotify, Audio Mac. Just type, even if you type Matthew chapter 7, you should be able to bring, bring it as a reference. I have a one hour teaching on this. Or just scroll, and then you should be able to find it. But let me show you what, once again that this is not talking to believers. This is not making reference to believers. This is not to scare you. Let me show you once again. So the Bible says in verse 21 again, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. So as a good Bible student, you should know what the will of the Father is. The Bible was not silent on what the will of the Father is. The Bible literally tell us what the, told us what the will of the Father is. And because of time, see what John chapter 6 says verse 40 says. We want to see what the will of the Father. Let scripture interpret scripture. Um, John chapter 6, verse 39, 40. I'll just read 39, 40. John chapter 6, verse 39, verse 40. So I'm just trying to make you understand, God loves you. (laughs) If anybody has been scaring you with the gospel, then it's not the gospel of Christ. If anybody is telling you, yes, we understand you are born again now but there are still 10 things you have to do, then that's not the gospel, because again, we are saved by grace through faith. We can't add to the finished work of Christ. We only have to rest in His finished works. If we could do 10 things to save ourselves in the first place, then we didn't need Jesus. But the work of Christ is perfect on the cross, that if the most notorious sinner on earth says, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, he will be saved and all of his sins will be washed away in the twinkle of an eye. Hallelujah. John chapter 6 verse 39 says, This is the will of him who sent me. Okay. Jesus said the only people that will enter, or that will enter the kingdom are the people that does his will. The will of the Father forgive me. He says that all that he has given me I lose nothing. But I give but that I raise it up in the last day so number one the will of the father is that jesus loses none of the people god has given him the will of the father is once you're born again jesus will not lose you in clear context verse 40 says for this this is very definite this is my father's will and purpose that everyone you know what everyone is every single one Who sees the Son, who sees Jesus, and believes in Him will have eternal life and I will raise Him up on the last days. The will of the Father is believe on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and He will raise you up in the last days. Does that sound like believer? Yes. The believer is doing the will of the Father. If you are born again, you have done the will of the Father. If you are not born again, then you may fall under the category of the false prophet. For Jesus, we did this in your name. Just say, no, you didn't do this in my name. Because if you did, I would have raised you up. I would have raised you up in the last days. Is it clear? Again, just to make you understand, don't let anybody scare you with any portion of the scripture. The gospel is good news. Pure good news. If you have any portion of the scripture scaring you, but the Bible says, but the Bible says, then you should listen to more 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 contents that will build your faith. Listen to preachers that are elevating the goodness of Christ. So having understand that let's take the book of Revelation a step further. We stopped at um Simria Church or Smina Church. You no know pronunciation. So the next church we want to check out in the book of Revelation is Pagamos. And this is in the book of Revelation chapter 2 from verse 12. Pergamos, the Bible says. By the way, this church also was facing persecution. But let me just read first. Revelation chapter two, verse twelve, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write these things: Seeth he who hath the sharp sword with two edges? Stop. So when by now everybody should know this by now. Except you've been missing all the past two sessions we've had. So, if the Bible says to the angel of this church, who is the Bible writing to? Who is Jesus writing the letter to? <laughs> I don't believe by faith you got it right. So, if you see to the angel, Jesus is writing to the messenger. If you see to that means to the messenger, he's writing to the leaders, to the pastors, to the overseer of the church. If you have a ministry, Jesus is writing to you. So, again, you, your church will fall under one of the categories. Of these seven churches, I already took time to explain this in the past sessions. Your church falls under at least one categories of all of these churches. So, and then don't forget because I don't I, I I can't miss this part. The first five words in the book of Revelation says the revelation of Jesus Christ. You must never forget that part. So we are trying to unveil Jesus. And this was what jesus did he was very consistent when he wrote to all the churches he would start by saying this is he said "Tell them or better still in this verse he says this thing yet he which had the sharp sword with two edges he's talking about the fact that jesus has the word of god sharp sword with two edges means the word of god the bible says the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between the soul and the spirit. It cuts between the joint and the marrow. So Jesus is unveiling himself to this church as the word of God. This is powerful actually. What we need is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. If you're a preacher and your preaching is no longer centered on Christ, you're no longer unveiling Jesus, then it's, you have a tendency of falling into error. For example, Genesis chapter 22, you know, this is not even my message, why not? The Bible says, God told Abraham, take your son, take your only son, whom you loved. If you are not Christ centered, if you don't understand that the whole scripture points us to one man, his name is Jesus, you can bring out principle, law, from Genesis chapter 22. God told Abraham, bring your, give your son, your only son, whom you loved. As at that time, Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. So if God was telling Abraham, bring your son, your only son whom you love, then God was definitely not talking about Isaac. But in that context, it was Isaac. But it's a picture, it's a proof that Jesus is the true Isaac. Because at the point of God's life, God was going to give us his son, his only Son, whom He loved. So Genesis chapter 22 is a picture of God giving us a Son, His only Son, whom He loved. Does that sound like Je- Je- John chapter 3 verse 16? Yes. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. That scripture or a verse is just a picture of what happened in Genesis chapter 22. But again, if your focus is not Christ, if your message is not Christ, if your teaching is not centered around Christ, you will be bringing out unnecessary things from the scripture. And then you may say something like, God told Abraham to give him Isaac. So there are times God wants your sacrifice. Literally, God doesn't want your sacrifice. If you want to give anything to God, give it because you know that out of the abundance of what God has given to you, you want to give generously back to God. God loves cheerful giver. You are not compelled under any law to sacrifice anything to God if it's not coming out of faith, hope, and love. So my point is we can always form for example, the story of Joseph. You may say the five P's of life, five P's of success—from the pit to the prison to the palace to the pit. That's rubbish. That's that's not that's not the reason why the Bible was written. That's that, that's never the reason why it was written, not to show you five P's. That's what motivational speakers preach. We, in the body of Christ, that God has called to feed the sheep, we are to unveil Jesus from the Scripture because, uh, except you do. You will always keep telling people again more things to do. The gospel is not about what what people have to do. more. It is about what Christ has done. The gospel is for us to tell people. It's good news. Tell them what I've done. Tell them all their sins are forgiven. Tell them all their sickness I took on my body. Simple good news. But if you are not preaching Jesus, unveiling Jesus, will start bringing principles and give people more burden. Jesus said my yoke is easy. My burden is light. God's people should know that Christianity is all about relationship, and they should experience peace, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, because that's what the Kingdom of God is all about. So Jesus, before he r- r- says anything to the church, he will unveil himself. He unveils himself. So he said this to, to the angel of the church in Pergamos: Write these things yet, he that at the sharp sword with two edges. Hallelujah. So the next verse. Verse 13 says, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and has not denied thy faith, Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. So again, I, I told you this church was facing persecution, literal persecution, and I, I strongly think this also, It's also a picture of churches. Most of the time, if you're in Nigeria, there's some part of Nigeria whereby you can't preach the gospel publicly without facing persecution. There's there, there some part in Nigeria whereby, I mean, literal persecution and even in some places in China, I know these guys go through a lot to preach the gospel. And so Jesus was writing to this church and he, he was making me understand, I know what you're going through. And verse 14 says, but I have few things against you. So Jesus also has something against this church. Let's see what Jesus has against this church. He says, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to heat sacrifice unto idols and commit fornication. So the Doctrine of Balaam. What does the Doctrine of Balaam mean? Now you have to really take note here. You have to take note because again Jesus was writing to the leaders of each churches and I've told you before the end of some of these letters Jesus would say something like he that hasn't here let him hear what the Spirit is saying. The reason why you and I we are studying the book of Revelation even though we are not the pastor of the church that Jesus was writing to is because one all scriptures are written for our benefit. Two the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him be able to speak the saying to the church. And then your church will fall under one of this category. Let us see if your church <laughs> is encouraging the doctrine of Balaam. Because I'm going to tell you what the doctrine of Balaam means. Bible answer. You remember the story of Balaam? Balaam, Balak, Balak, Balaam. Of course, at the end of the day, Balaam was able to tell Balak to make God's people, the children of Israel, to start eating things sacrificed to idols. I mean, as at that time, and to start looking for a way to entice them to commit fornication, so that they can infiltrate their camp. But before that time, there were a couple of things Balaam did. Number one is Balaam's error. One of the error of Balaam is that he was using the, in quote, the prophetic gift, the prophetic ministry. For financial gain, hmm. now it's getting serious, and this simply means whereby if you, if God has called you in any capacity, and before you give people a word from God, you have to tell them to go get a certain amount of money, literally. When 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 Balam started using the prophetic gift for financial gain, and but apart from that the major 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 error of balaam is that balaam teaches and he believed and he actively practices the fact that he can curse god's people let me rephrase it this way one of the error of balaam is that balaam encourages and teaches that god's people can be cursed if it doesn't make sense to you yet what it literally means is if you are telling people, mostly God's people, that they have what they call generational cause. You are under the error of Balaam. If any church on earth right now is encouraging generational cause, breaking generational causes, you are teaching the doctrine of Balaam. Because Balaam was really, really hired by Balak to come and cause God's people. And then if you think, yes, yeah, so today now, God's people have the tendency of being caused so you have to tell them to keep breaking generational curses. You are bringing them and you are teaching them the doctrine of Balaam. Because that was what happened also during the time of Balaam. So number one error is making God's people believe that they can be cursed. Number two is when you, Balaam was using the prophetic gift for financial gain. You know what that means? I know some of you must have heard about this before. I even experienced this in some places before whereby the man of God will say, mm, I see something about your life. But before I tell you, you have to go and get 100,000 naira. And then the lady or the the, the person is running at that sketch that to go look for money. Or because you want to get a word from the prophet. A point whereby if any, in quote, prophet in the name of his office will tell you before he can give you the word of God, he can tell you the mind of God. You have to do this. You have to buy this for him. You have to get this for him then that falls under the error of Balaam. So Jesus said, I have this against you. Some of them owed the doctrine of Balaam. The good news is if you are born again, you are not cursed. There is nothing called generational curse for you. For you to think you can be born again and you still have generational curse, two things. For a, for a start, it is total ignorance. Secondly, you have a wrong opinion about who God is. You don't have a good perspective about God. This is why you should keep hearing good news that unveils the righteousness of God, the loving kindness of God. Why would you think God will save you and then you are saved? And the Bible says you have come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God, and you call God now your father and you are still telling me you have generational cause. I thought you said you are born again. If you really believe you are born again, to The family of God, and God is now your father, and you can tell me you still have generational cause. That means what you're saying is God, who is directly your father, has that cause, so you are breaking your lineage from God. No, God doesn't have generational cause because God is now your new father. I don't know where you get there. Bro. I don't know how believers start getting comfortable by thinking they, they can be caused. I hope you know. Let me let me shock you. The children of Israel never prayed about generational curse. Old Testament. Balaam wanted to curse them. They didn't pray. Children of Israel never prayed. But the Bible makes us understand that God turned those words to blessings. And Balaam in black and white says, These people are blessed by God and they are irreversibly blessed. Balaam said those words. He can't curse whom God has blessed. You are the blessed of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings. If you have been blessed with every spiritual blessings, there is no room for any generational cost. Okay, let's do that again. You have every spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings. There is no room for any generational cost. Never call yourself the cost when God has called you the blessed of God. You can't be. For you to even think you can be, it shows you being wrongly taught. This is why God is writing to the leaders of your church. This is why the Bible says, write to the angel of this church. I have this against them. Some of them are holding the doctrine of Balaam. They are saying, Pastor, 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 help me. Hey, I think my grandfather, my, father, my my mother, and then you too. Maybe it's a generational lineage course. And you are telling me you are born again. Why are you still attaching yourself to your, to, to, to your earthly DNA, to your grandfather on earth? When you are claiming you are born again to a family of God and God is not your father. I hope you know when you got born again, your DNA changed. So there's nothing called my grandfather have it, my mother have it, so me too I may have it. There's nothing called like that. There's nothing called hereditary sickness for you. Because you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his death Jesus Christ. So Jesus was writing to the leaders, to the angels of his churches. Trying to make them understand that I have these things against you. You are, you are pulled in the doctrine of Balaam. Don't call cause what I've called blessed. So that's one. And then secondly, verse 15. Revelation 2.15. The Bible says, So as thou also them that owe the doctrine of Nicolaitan, which I ate. I took time to explain this what it means, Doctrine of Nicolaitian, and I personally want to keep emphasizing this every time I, I see this in the scripture, Nicolaitian. What does Nicolatian mean? It means performing of rituals. Anybody that tells you the name of Jesus is not enough, that your faith in Christ is not enough, is teaching the Doctrine of, of Nicolaitian. This is why Jesus was writing to them. You know what that means? Any church, I'm preaching the gospel, you may not be okay with this part, it's okay. You know, the word of God is alive and powerful. But again, you know, the reason why Jesus was writing this to the leaders of the church is because he loves you. God loves you, the church member. God loves you, his sheep. He's writing to your overseer, he's writing to the messenger of his church, of each churches, and telling them, you are, you are, you are allowing this doctrine. You are, you, are, you are allowing this doctrine. What does the doctrine of Nicolaita mean? It means anybody who preaches any other thing apart from your faith in Christ. They are telling you your faith is not enough in Christ. That you have to... Your faith plus something. Your faith plus something. Plus something. And they always attach something to it. Your faith plus man too. They will say your faith in Christ is not enough. Well, you, you also need mantle. They will say you also need water. You, you don't need water. You don't need mantle. You don't need... Give me every, anything that they may present to you. That your faith in Christ is not enough. But you need something else what are the things they always present? There are so many things. They, um, you need the bat of victory. I talked about this yesterday. You don't need the bat of victory. Only Africans may understand this better. If you are listening from other parts of the world, you may not understand what I just said right now. But you can ask your African friend <laughs> or your Nigerian friend, what the bat of victory means. You don't. You don't need any soap. You don't need any sponge. You don't. You don't. Anybody that teaches that your faith in Christ is not enough and they will say you need to do this you need to do that you need to carry this you need to buy this you need to no <laughs> no nah, nah. your faith in Christ is all you need and it is enough anybody who teaches anything outside that is teaching another gospel is teaching a different gospel the gospel is your faith in Christ is enough you don't need any anchorage you don't need any special anointing oil. You don't need any special. You don't. All you need is your faith in Christ. And whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You don't need special handkerchief. Keep it in your room. So if something happens, you quickly go and take it. That's, that's not scriptural. That is not the gospel of Christ. That is the teaching of Nicolaitian. You don't need any special clothes. Any special whatever they must have told you you need. Your faith in Christ is enough. That's all you ever need. Special service for firstborn. <laughs> There's nothing like that. There's, there <laughs> You know, I can go over this over and over. I, I, I could talk about this all day. But what I'm trying to make you understand is your faith in Christ is enough. You don't need any special water. You don't need any special fruit. You don't need any special... Anointing. You don't need any special soap, any special sponge. You don't need any special mantle. You don't. It's not scriptural. It is the doctrine of Nicolaitian. I know you have so many questions with what I'm saying right now, and it's it's really good you have questions. You can ask them, (laughs) send them, send DMs, send messages. I will. will, If you have real questions, I'll try and answer them during the course of the series. But again. What does Nicolaitia mean? It is any teaching that says Jesus is not enough. Any teaching that says Jesus is not enough. Anytime you start putting your faith in something else. Substance. Things. So Jesus plus things. Jesus plus special anointing. Jesus plus special handkerchief. Jesus plus I could, I could go on and on. You don't have to come for me. It's the word of God. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, which I hate. If you read your Bible, in the first, there was an early church we read. Jesus said, this church, Ephes- Ephesus church, you hate the doctrine of Nicolaitan, which I also hate. When it comes to this teaching, Jesus said, I hate it when anybody puts that justice is not enough. That they have to do something else. You have to add something to Jesus. Don't add anything to my Jesus. Jesus is enough for you. Your faith in him is enough. It's all you need. It's all you need. Hallelujah. So verse 14 says repent. So again, Jesus said, you know what? I want you to change your mind. Repent simply means change your mind. Or else I will come quickly and will fight them with the sword of my mouth. What does that mean? It simply means, again, the sword of the mouth of Jesus is the word of God. So Jesus is speaking to the leader of the church that you have allowed this doctrine, you have allowed this doctrine. Change your mind. If you don't change your mind, I will fight them. Who are the people who just wants to fight? Those encouraging this teaching. Those encouraging that a believer can be cursed, Those encouraging generational costs. Those encouraging that your faith in Christ is not enough. that like you need special... No, no. The gospel is all about what Christ has done. Enough! It is finished. Finished work of Christ. Any other gospel that tells you it is not really really finished. You have to do something more. Is not the gospel of Christ. Paul was writing to the Galatians church in Galatians chapter 1. He said, I am amazed that you are are getting diverted to another gospel. You are are preaching another gospel. He said, if any man preaches another gospel apart from the gospel of Christ, let him be accursed. The gospel is simple. Somebody has done something on your behalf. Somebody did everything for you. Another gospel is when you start telling people, okay, now you are born again, but you still have to be doing this. You have to do that. Ten things to do. Five Ps. No, there's no ten keys. There's no five Ps anywhere. Jesus is all you need. Anything apart from Jesus, then it's the doctrine of religion. Jesus said, if you don't repent, oh, you leaders, he said, I'm going to fight you with the word of my mouth. What does that mean? Jesus is going to raise young preachers like myself. And yes, there, there are many other preachers out there who knows the word of God. I'm gonna fight you with the word of God. I'm gonna fight them with the word of God. And then we are preaching the word of God radically, telling God's people that you can never be cursed because you are the blessed of God. And in fact, you are not trying to bless to be blessed. So there are not 10 keys to be blessed. You are not trying to be blessed, you are the blessed of God because you have Christ, you have generational blessings. You don't even need you know, again, this thing is so funny. We still make all this prayer. At times, you still hear things like uh, generational blessings. Listen, you are already blessed. Can we settle this once and for all? You are already blessed. Can you rest? Can you just breathe? <laughs> Say, I am already blessed. I, there are no ten things for me to be blessed. There are no twenty peace twenty ways for me to be blessed. I am already blessed in Christ in christ you have everything that pertains to life and godliness should i blow your mind you're already anointed there are no 20 things to do to be anointed should i blow your mind you don't have to fast 40 days to be anointed because again if you feel as if you are not anointed yet you have to do to become you are negating what the gospel is all about the gospel is christ has done so you have become it is not things you have to do to become the gospel is christ have done so you have become it is not what you have to do to become holy spirit i could go talk about this already you are not trying to be anointed you hear things like double portion of elijah's anointing uh, the the anointing of the patriarchs that's rubbish with all humility no offense to anybody the word of god you want the anointing of elijah elijah never had the holy spirit these guys had what they call portions of anointing you have the fullness of, of the of god himself dwelling on your inside the Bible says of his fullness have we all received grace upon grace? John chapter 1 verse 16. Elijah had portion. He gave Elijah double portion. What he had is portion. You know what portion is? It's like give me a portion of your of your tea, of your food, of your you not take spoon, you not take one portion, two portion. You know what we have? We have the fullness of the Spirit of God dwelling on our inside. So sad the believers of today is still converting the life of Elijah. Elijah never had what you have. They, they would have preferred to live after the time, after the cross. We are living after the cross. God has radically blessed us. You are not trying to be anointed. There is no twenty things. There are no 20 things to do to be anointed. You only have to realize the fact that you are already anointed in Christ. This is why people keep chasing anointing and they don't have it. You know, for four years of my life, I, I was praying to God, God, I want to be anointed. God, give me power. God, anoint me. And after I prayed that prayer, as not as I was going to cycle. And then God answered my prayer. You know what God did to me? God told me, Yinka, you are already anointed. I'm like, God, you don't understand. What they make us feel is, we have to keep doing. You have to do, 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 do. And God said, you are already anointed. I felt bad. Because I have been praying, I have done everything. Lord, anoint me. God, give me power. God said, you already have all the power you need. All the power you need, you already have it. I'm like, yeah. And God began to show me. John 1, 16. Of his fullness, you have already received. Grace upon grace. The Bible showed me again. God showed me again in the scripture. In black and white. They've always been in the Bible. It was me. I was seeking after what doesn't exist. Because what? I've listened to another gospel. That said I have to do to become. Rather than me sitting with the scripture. That told me. Or that is saying in black and white. I already am. Because I believe in Christ. The work of Jesus is finished. It's perfect on the cross. I'm not adding to it. Hallelujah. Let's take this there for that. We still have enough time. We still have a couple of time. So Jesus said I will fight you with the sword of my mouth. So Just is raising preachers like myself and more other preachers out there telling God's people you can never be cursed, telling God's people you can never be under any generation. There's no generation curses for you anymore because you're not in Zion. In Zion, no evil, no negativity in Zion. Hallelujah. So, verse 17 says, He that art and hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Again, so this is where this is why we're talking about this is why even you, the church member, you're just listening to this is why I'm preaching this. He wasn't here. Let him be what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And to him that overcome it, What does it mean to overcome? It's not deep. He's not deep. Don't let anybody make you feel as if, well, now you're born again, but you have to overcome. Let me tell you something. In the sight of God, there's no discrimination. And I took time to explain this thing. God doesn't love me more than he loves you. I'm not more anointed than you are. I wish people could understand this thing. In the sight of God, we are all one in Christ. We all have equal opportunity in Christ. Equal access to to God in Christ. I don't have special anointing. Of course, I. Well, you have over 700 content. You preach when you preach. Sir, you know what happens? I'm only possibly resting in what God told me I have. We all have this. Nobody is special. Ah, Yinka is special. Hey, this man of God is special. No. The man of God may realize or may know more about what he has in Christ than you do, but... God has no favor right. We practice the consciousness of God's love. It doesn't mean God loves me more than He loves you. The Bible says, He that overcometh." What does it mean to overcome? To be born again. And I explain this from 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. I'm giving you reference. He says, Who is He that overcome? He, he will believe in, in, in the name of our Lord Jesus. He will believe in the Son. To, to, to be an overcomer, you just have to believe in Jesus. And that's it. So Jesus said, To Him who overcometh, I will give to heed of the hidden manna. And will give him a white stone. And in the stone, a new name written, which no man can know, saving that he received it. Hallelujah. So what it means to overcome is when you believe in Jesus. Are you born again? Then you are an overcomer. So after Jesus writes to every church, he's always saying to him who overcomes. He's always reminding you that, you know what? Do I'm writing this to the leader of your church, to the angel of the church, you must never forget these things. Do I'm writing this to the angel of the church, but for you, you and I will overcome, even in that same church, I will do this for you. How many of you are glad that God is always thinking about you? you see, the book of Revelation is even talking more about God's love for you. To Him who overcomes. Talking about you and her who are born again. There is no special, ah, this man of God who are overcome us. No! The person who got born, who is getting born again today and the greatest evangelist on earth, they are both overcomers. That's scripture. You know, religious people don't like it when you preach like this. They don't like it when you tell them that we all have equal opportunity in Christ. They don't like it. they say, oh, no, but you can't there are some special there's no special people. The apostles never preach any gospel of the rightism. <coughs> you know, this was one of the things God had to correct in the head of Peter. Peter always was thinking, ah, some people are Jews, so, some people are Gentiles, some of us don't. God no, God make him understand. The gospel is for all, It's for every one of us. And for so people that are born again, you are overcomer. For the person that will get born again after listening to this teaching, welcome to the fold of overcomers. Hallelujah. We have 10 more minutes to wrap up the session. So let me jump on the next church. The next church is Thyatira. Tira Church. I'm going to wrap it up on Thyatira Church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you getting blessed? <laughs> this is awesome. I, I am... Actually, getting blessed, and I'm so glad that we are studying the book of Revelation for ourselves to see that actually God is thinking about us actively. To see that the book is not to scare us but to build our faith, hope, and love hallelujah! Verse 18 the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira right? So, where you see angel underlining it, what it means is to the leader, to the messenger messenger, to the pastor, to the Sound check. Can you guys still hear me? You should be still My mic went up just now. Okay. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, Write entire... these things. These things here, the son of God. So don't forget. The... the first five words in the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Jesus was always revealing himself to each of the churches. Before he starts anything, he first tells them, this is what I say. Then he tells them something about himself. Give the church a revelation about himself. And the revelation Jesus gave this church is, this is yet the Son of God. Hallelujah. Who art his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. So Jesus unveiled himself as the Son of God, eyes with flames of fire, and his feet like that of brass. Hallelujah. Verse 19 says, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and patience and thy works and the uh, last to be more than the first. Not So Jesus, you know, let me tell you something. I, I, again, I, I'm going to have a, a leadership teaching in time to come. A leadership conference. Still trusting God for a date. But if you are, if you check the, the consistency of how Jesus was addressing this church, it's a good le- leadership teaching. It is so sad that when people. Okay, I don't want people. I don't want to say things to just. But you know, let, let us learn from, from the leadership of Jesus. He, gi- he gives commendation first. Even though he had something against these churches, at initially you just say, you know what? I know this. You guys are doing well. I know this. I know their works, I know their love. He will tell them what he has against them to the leaders of the church. And again, he holds the leaders accountable. That's the thing about Jesus. He's not just going to just assume all the... Ch- no, no, he holds the leaders accountable. Leadership skills. <laughs> Hold the leader accountable. Give them commendation first, then tell them what you don't like, and then again, remind them that for him, who overcomes. <laughs> That's a good leadership skill. Anyway, I hope you get what I just said. And I just said, I have a few things against thee. Because thou art so far rest, that woman, Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servant to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her unto a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he that searcheth the reins rain, and the heart. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Now, this is getting scary. If, if if I am reading my Bible and I'm reading and I'm seeing Jesus said, I will cast her into bed and then I will cast. And then, I mean, this these are, these are, oh, is almost getting scary. But let me just tell you something. What does it mean when Jesus said, you allow the woman Jezebel to teach the woman Jezebel to teach Jezebel in this context as at that time, because again these churches literally were literal there. um, One of the most grievous sins actually the children of Israel could commit as at that time is having another God outside God. Remember the Ten Commandments? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. You shall have no other God except from God. You know, so one of the major things, even Balaam also did this as well. And God talked about the same thing with Balaam as well. Trying to make people, um, God's people serve idols, have another God in their heart. And once they infiltrate another God into their heart, then it becomes easy to lure them into committing sin. You know, it becomes very easy. Sin becomes easy when Jesus is no longer at the center, at the center of your heart. <laughs> I think that's what it means. The Bible says, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The opposite is, if you understand the love of the Father, you won't love the world. Jezebel, Balaam, they were very subtle by trying to push another God to God's people. And then once they make them start serving idols, start focusing on another God apart from God, they start also luring them to committing sin or fornication. So Jesus, and because Jesus loves his church so much, Jesus addressed the church and said, you know what, you have allowed this woman to teach. You are allowing her to preach another God outside Christ. And Jesus was saying, you know what, if she doesn't repent, this is to show how gracious Jesus is. If this woman does not repent, I'm coming for her. Jesus is so gracious. He's still giving this woman an opportunity to repent. After saying that, let us see what verse 24 says. But unto you. I, lo- I love this, Jesus. Unto you. This, let us see what Jesus is saying unto you now. I say, and unto the rest in So So you understand what that means? Unto you. Who was Jesus writing to? The angel of the church. The messenger. The pastor. The leader. And just say, and unto those in your church... As many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depth of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you already hold fast till I come. Verse 26. And he that overcometh, and keep my works to the hand, to him I will give power over the nations. And he shall rule with the rod of iron, as the vessel of a portal they shall be broken to shivers. Even I, even as I have received of my father, I will give him the money star. Jesus is making all these promises to he who overcomes. I will give him the morning And then he hence it by saying, he who hasn't here, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So we are beginning to understand that Jesus was writing to the leaders, but because we haven't here, we are trying to hear what Jesus is saying to the churches, and then, we understand that at the end of every letter to every church, Jesus will write to him who will overcome it. This is awesome. That even if you find yourself, because again, I understand I've been preaching, well, any pastor or any man of God that preaches any doctrine that says Jesus is not enough, but you need just for something. He's not preaching the right gospel. So what if you're listening to this and actually you are attending a church that preaches that? And but you know, the Bible says, says you know what? Even if you are in that congregation, if you are born again, the Bible says to him who overcome, to him who is born again, I will give you the crown of life. So God, even in the midst of where you find yourself, is still writing to you and making you understand to you who overcome, to you who is born again, you don't have to worry. I will still do this for you, I will do that for you, I will do this for you. And with the hope that the 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 messenger, the pastor, the leaders of such churches will repent and start preaching the right gospel. Why was Jesus writing to the seven churches? Because Jesus wants every shepherd to feed the sheep with the word of God. Our message is good news. If anybody preaches any other good news apart from the goodness of Christ, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, let him be accursed. We saw it. This is... You know, The Bible says, even if an angel from heaven preaches another message to you, apart from the Gospel of Christ, let him be accursed. The Gospel is pure good news. Don't let anybody preach you another. This is why you even need to know your Bible for yourself. This is why you should be reading your Bible. See what it says. Just see what it says for yourself as well. So, God wants us to feed a sheep, God doesn't want us to beat a sheep. Any preacher preaching that God's people can be cursed, you want to be breaking generational curse on believers. Believers, generational cause? Ah oh, no no. no. That, that, that's 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 the teaching of Nicolitian. God doesn't want you to, to, to poison his people. He wants you to feed his people. This is why God is writing to you, the angel, the messenger of the church. Because God will hold you accountable for what you feed the church with. And of course, it's not even a message of fear for you. If, if you have a ministry, you're listening to this, you're a teacher, you're a preacher, and then you realize, oh, you've been preaching, and that goes over. This not to scare you. Jesus said, oh, repent. Repent simply means change your mind. Start preaching the right thing. Stop telling them they are cursed and they have to break it. No. Start telling them they are radically blessed because they are in Christ. Isn't this good news? This is awesome. So awesome. So it's not even, even for you, the, the, the leader. It's not even to scare you. It's to make you understand God wants His people to be fed with the encrafted word of God, which is able to save their soul. If you've been telling them their faith in Christ is not enough, they need handkerchief, they need special anointing oil, they need candle, they need water, special water. Oh me, water of water of life. No, they have Jesus. Jesus is the water of life. <laughs> they they don't need special water, they don't need to be drinking special. Don't don't preach in your gospel. But even even if you, if you've been preaching it and you're hearing this. I'm so happy you're hearing this. God wants you to just change your mind and start preaching the right gospel. Tell them their faith in Christ is enough. What are you trusting God for? Let's pray together. Our faith in Christ is enough. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Hallelujah. It's been an awesome ride. Father, we thank you. We thank you because you're such a good God. You love us so much and you are beginning to open our eyes to the truth of your word, even from the book of Revelation. We give you all the praise, Lord. We know, Lord, that these words will begin to bear fruit in our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for any leader, pastor, overseer, shepherd that will listen to these words. I pray, Lord, you you help them, strengthen them, give them a fresh revelation about yourself. And for as men that are not preaching the right gospel yet, Lord, you will unveil yourself unto them. Give them the revelation that you are all the church needs. You are enough for us. Open their eyes to see you in the beauty of your holiness. In the name of Jesus. If you are listening to this, you are yet to be born again. You have to be born again. You must be born again. God loves you so much. He sent Jesus to die for your sins. And Jesus was buried. And God raised him up on the third day for your justification. So that if you believe this simple truth, all your sins will be wiped out in a twinkle of an eye. Forever and ever. If you believe these words I want to receive the life of Christ, just say the simple words after I me. Mean, just say, Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was buried. And I believe he rose on the third day for my justification. So therefore, I am born again by faith. And I have the Holy Spirit dwelling on my inside. In Jesus' mighty name, I will pray. And like all people say, Amen. Thank you so, so much, everybody. God bless you. Tomorrow morning, we'll have a, a day break. Not a break, by the way, but we're having a healing meeting tomorrow. If you're trusting God for healing, just come. Again, your faith in Jesus is enough. Come and hear the word of God, the truth of God, told about your health, and then we'll pray with you. And then you'll be healed. If you're listening to this right now, you're having a pain on your body, the healing power of God will rest upon you in the name of Jesus. But if you have anybody, or even you can just even come tomorrow to come and remind yourself the truth of God's word about your health. So we'll do that tomorrow, and then after that, we'll continue our series again on the book of Revelation. It's been an awesome ride. If you have any question, of course, we'll, we'll welcome questions. You can just send us your question, we'll address it from time to time. Send us an email, or send us a DM on any of our social media platforms, and we'll address them from time to time. Finally, we have about 800 questions Sorry, not in the 800 yet. We have up to 700 content focused on faith, hope, and love that I think will really bless you. Just click on the link in our bio, or just if you're listening to your podcasts, there are more content you can feed them from time to time. All right, it's been an awesome ride. God bless you. Amen. If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on True Spirituality Network at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network, on both Facebook and Instagram spirituality on telegram and akimika on youtube so cash up with all our podcasts search for akimika on all major platforms including spotify audiomark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out fear. and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus <music>